Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. We have been in a series called I See a Church. I See a Church. And it's actually We See a Church, a, a, a church, uh, a, our team, our board, our uh, leadership team have been praying, asking God, God, what is your vision for Journey Church Ventura? And what we have done is put in the entirety of the vision that, um, <clears throat> that we call a vision narrative. This has allowed us to um, kind of give a picture of what the future looks like. That's exactly what a vision is. It's the, the picture of a preferred future. It doesn't mean we're here now. It means that's where we're going. That's the beauty of a vision. I love vision because vision gives us guardrails to uh, keep within and to move forward towards. And so it's kind of like, you know, when, when there's no vision, the Bible says when there's no vision, people perish. Or the actual, the, the literal translation is they throw off restraint. In other words, there's nothing that keeps them all together. There's nothing that keeps them going in the same direction. And without vision, everybody decides, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to go there, and we're going to go there. And there may be a whole lot of really good, we're going to do this, and then we're going to go there. But then everything is diffused so that the energy and the strength of the, the, the corporate group of people is, is minimized. And so we have a vision. And this, in your bulletin, is available to you so that you can see the entirety of the vision. I haven't preached every point. We're going to preach another three today. But um, we're going to preach, let you know, we wanted you to have in your hand something that you could use at the kitchen table, something that you can uh, put on the the, uh, mirror in the morning. If you're tired of looking at yourself, you can look at the vision, okay, of uh, Journey Church Ventura. And so we want to just encourage you to take advantage of that. The last three weeks, we've talked about this. We've talked about, I see an irresistible church. And the whole focus of that was realizing that Jesus is the irresistible one, right? He's the one that people want to hang out with. He's the one, if you, you know, people want to hang out with us, that's cool. But if you get Jesus involved, they really like Jesus. People love Jesus, the real Jesus, the one who loves, the one who cares, the one who interrupts their lives, the one who Ron talked about, changing their lives. He's the guy that we want to uh, introduce this world to. And so an irresistible church is a church that is like the irresistible Jesus. And the more we're like him, the better off we are in, represent, in, in reaching people for Christ. Because they, you know, as, as lovely as you are, Jesus is better, Okay. Would you say amen to that? Okay. Would you say amen to that? I don't, I don't want to knock you. You're wonderful people. I love you. I, 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 I enjoy hanging out with you. But um, Jesus is so much more than we are, than I am. And if I can bring people to Jesus, man, that's a permanent connection that's going to happen. And I'm, I, I love that. And so we want to be an irresistible church. And we can't be an irresistible church if we're not... Uh, following Jesus, acting like Jesus, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and being Jesus to this world. Amen? And so that's, that's the power of that particular uh, <clears throat> vision statement. The second one that we talked about was, I see a church full of kids. I see a church full of kids. And why do we say that? Because we believe that there is the next generation. I preached on, on the book of Judges, which shows us that if we don't share the story of what Jesus does to, in our lives today... There will not be a a, a generation that follows Jesus tomorrow. And therefore, we must commit 
and do everything we can to prioritize children's ministries in the hearts and lives of children. And if we don't do that, then we're going to uh, miss, and the generations after us are going to miss the opportunity to follow Jesus and fall into the hands of the enemy. We don't want that to happen. We do not want that to happen. Does that mean we neglect ourselves? Does that mean we neglect all of us that are here? No, we all need to grow and there's, well, there, there's care for all of us and all those kinds of things, but we're going to focus and put our energies into making sure that the next generation is carrying the baton of faith. Amen? Amen. Last week we talked about a generous church. I see a generous church. And that is a church that, that is uh, unafraid to tithe, that is unafraid to, to uh, trust God with... Um, 10% of our income so that we can, he can have 90% that he can do more with than we can do 100%, than we can do with 100%. And so that we see a generous church, and a church that is generous makes a difference in the world. And that's one of the things that, that Scripture showed in 2 Corinthians 9, is that when we give, and we give in such a way that it makes a difference in our world, the world sees Jesus. The world praises God for the generosity of the church who is representing the very nature of Christ. And when we do that, when we are giving and when we give generously, man, it, it opens up the hearts of those around us. And we're going to talk more about that today, not about money, but about serving. And so our mission statement is simply this, and I continue to read this because it has to get into our hearts. It has to be, become part of our language. And I love it when I, I talk to a few people and, and all of a sudden they're starting to use this language. And if language creates a culture, and when it creates that culture, it begins to get into our hearts and it begins to come out of our mouths. And when it comes out of our mouths, it comes also out of our actions. And it's powerful, powerful. So here's our mission statement. Journey Church Ventura exists to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness while growing together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. While growing together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's so powerful. It's so meaningful that we are here to enter into the journeys of people who have yet to discover His love, grace, and forgiveness. Your neighbor, your coworker, your, your family member, your, your grocery store clerk, your server at your, your favorite eating place, whatever the case may be, wherever you are, if there's somebody who has yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness, there's an opportunity for us to make a difference. In fact, we've just created, and we, we're, we'll hand these out in the coming weeks, but we've just created a little invitation card. This is cool. It's a little card, a little round card. I know you can't see it very well. But it's a little round card, and on the back of it, it says, Be My Guest. Sundays, 10 a.m., kids are always welcome, our address and our website. And that's just a little, I mean, if you're afraid to do anything and you just want to drop it and run, drop it and run. But let's put your face to it. Let's, let's invite your friends, let, let's invite your family, invite your enemies, um, whoever, and bring them and bring them to church. And we're, they're gonna, when they get here, they're going to find an irresistible environment. Amen? And uh, because we're serving an irresistible Jesus. Here's three statements that are on your uh, vision narrative sheet, but I'm going to focus on these three today. I see a church who encourages all people to serve within their giftings and talents, where no one sits on the sidelines or drives from the back seat. Did you hear that one? That's a cool part of that. Uh, I see a church who encourages all people to serve within their giftings and talents where no one sits on the sidelines or drives from the back seat. A church that is 
overflowing with well-trained volunteers who are passionate about serving God in the church and community. That's a vision statement. That's what we see in the future is everyone. Did you know that the national average for churches is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? And we are going to flip that. I am 100% committed to flip that percentage that 80% of people are going to do 100% of the work. And the other 20% are those that we are reaching, the have-yets, that are slowly coming into the, into the body of Christ and slowly becoming part of our body. And they're the, 20% of the people are the people that are going to eventually become part of that 80% of serving. Are you in for that? Are you up for that? Can everybody say Amen. We're on track. We're on track. We're, we're speaking the same language together. So I see a church who serves. I see a church who relentlessly finds and fills the needs of Ventura County, unafraid to merge into the lives of those who think and live differently. Did you hear that one? Man, that's good. I could preach right off of that one right, right now, and I'm not going to. I see a church who relentlessly finds and fills the needs of Ventura County, unafraid to merge into the lives of those who think and live differently. I, a church who is full of grace and truth, one that is unwilling to soften the gospel truth, but maintains a tender heart for all people in all circumstances. Amen? Amen. We find and fill. And then lastly, I see a church who engages the unreached corners of the world through church building. And I've talked about that one before, and we'll, we won't focus on that uh, too much right now. I see a church who serves. I see a church who relentlessly serves. And if we will get that in our heart, and I, I think I'm preaching largely to the choir here because most of you serve. I've seen you put your hand to things. I've seen you put your heart to things and, and, and serve, and it's fantastic. But we have to be a church that relentlessly serves people and serves the needs of people. And when we do, we become that irresistible church. We become more like Jesus. I believe this, that there is never a time where we're more like Jesus when, uh, than when we're serving. Why? Because he put himself in that, in that category. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the nature of who Jesus is. If we're going to be a, an irresistible church, if we're going to be relentlessly serving, then we are going to be more like Jesus than ever before because we are going to put ourselves in the shoes of Jesus and serve those around us. How many, has anybody ever been a waiter or a server? I guess waiter is not the appropriate language anymore. It's a server. Well, I've been a server I was uh, in Newhall, California. I was a server at a restaurant called Mama Tony's. It was fun because they got this little Mexican kid in there doing serving Italian food, and it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and so um, I, at, uh, I think I was 16 years old. I was make, I only worked three nights a week, and I made $1,200 a month uh, as a server. Now it was a fancy restaurant because uh, we wore tuxes. I wore a tuxedo. We would serve at the tables. And uh, I loved being a waiter because at, when, when I had the opportunity, I would go and my whole goal was to get the tip. My whole goal was to get the best tip I could possibly get. And what I learned early on is that if I would do everything to meet the need of the people sitting in the ta at the table, I would get a great tip. And so I would go to the table, I was a cheery individual, and I'd go up and say, hey, it's so nice to have you at Mama Tony's, how can I help you? And I tried to put on a little Italian accent, it didn't work, and I won't try that now. And uh, we would, 
we would serve like, um, we would do fettuccine Alfredo, but we would do the Alfredo, we would cook it right in front of the table. And so I would always push that one because it was the easiest one to cook. We had a, another dish called lobster Vesuvio, and um, we would uh, flame it. And so I'd make flames at the, di- at, the, at the table, almost burning down the restaurant. It was really fun. Um, I got pretty good at serving wine. I could understand a little bit about wine and understood how to recommend what wines and, and all those kinds of things. And so that was fun and always popping the cork off and doing all that, making it look fancy. But the ultimate goal of any waiter is to serve the need of the person at the table, right? Have you ever gone to a, 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 a restaurant where the waiter thought, you don't know what you need, they do? Have you ever been there? Yeah, where it's like, no, you don't need that. You know, it's like, I want, I want uh, pasta. No, sir, you need a salad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you ever had that? <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I've never had that happen, but uh, probably not a good thing if, if that were to happen. And I think too often, I think too often we as Christians sometimes look at people and we think, I know what you need, therefore I'm not going to meet the need you have. I'm not going, I know that you need Jesus, but see, people don't see that need to begin with. I was working at a church and we were building a, a, an outreach center in the front of this church. And uh, one of the contractors, who's an electrician, um, who did not come to the church, he was not a Christian, he said, so what are you building here? And he said, uh, I said, we're building an outreach center. And he says, what are you going to do with this outreach center? I said, we're going to feed people and we're going to clothe people and we're going to work on their cars because part of this uh, outreach center had a garage that we were going to work on their cars. And he goes, oh, you know, that's so cool because they won't listen to your candles or your talk. They don't care about your religion until their stomach is taken care of. Here's a guy who did not know Jesus, um, actually used several colorful metaphors to say what I just said. And I so appreciated it because he understood what it takes to sometimes reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes if you don't feed the stomach, their, their stomach's grumbling so loud, they'll never hear the message. Their need is so deep, their hurt is so, so, so painful that if we don't touch the heart, if we don't touch the need, if we don't touch the circumstance, that we will never be able to share the gospel message with these folks. And so serving and understanding the needs of people is incredibly important. And when uh, uh, there's, there's the, the places I don't like going the most are the places where when you ask for help, you feel like you're interrupting the staff. Have you ever been there? You know, I'm not going to name companies, but there's some uh, places that I've gone to and uh, I say, hey, can you help me? <sighs> what do you need? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing when you go, and, uh, and, and I'll say this, that if you go to auto parts stores, these are sometimes the, most, the, the places where I've had this worst experience. And I won't name any, but um, <clears throat> I've gone to them, and I go in, and I say, I need help with finding a part. And the part's in the aisle, sir. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to interrupt your job, <laughs> okay? Your job is to help me get what I need. Uh, and it's just crazy. It's crazy to, to go to these places. And this is what we cannot be. I love going to a place. I was in Lowe's the other day. And I was in this aisle. And I was looking for things. And this lady walks by. And um, she said, she, looked, she stopped. 
She was obviously organizing the aisle and, and getting everything put together. And she stopped and she said, sir, can I help you find anything? And I'm like, yeah. I had found what I needed, but I thought of something different that she could help me with. And so um, she, she helped me find it and it was just the best experience. I want to go back only to that aisle though, okay? Because I've been in other aisles where that hasn't been the case. But um, in this aisle, this lady met my need. And it makes me want to talk it up. It makes me want to say nice things about it. And that's the kind of irresistible Jesus that we serve. Because Jesus cares more about us than he does himself. He cares more about our need. He did everything he could to make life and life eternal possible so that you and I can enjoy life and have life abundantly, the Bible says. And so if we serve the needs of people and we create an environment, not just here, but in our living, where Jesus shows up every time we show up, people want to be with Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful reality. The tension is, is that sometimes serving takes up time, it takes up resources, it takes up finances, it takes up emotions, and it, it certainly requires selflessness. It certainly requires that we become selfless about ourselves and care more about the other individual than we do ourselves. Too often, serving is about the reward rather than the need being met. This happens in relationships all the time. We want to meet the need of our, our spouse or we want to meet the need of the other so that they will meet the need within us. And that's a little dangerous in a relationship, right? That's not the best way to handle a relationship. And, and, and honestly, uh, you know, in any relationship, in a marriage relationship especially, that's hard to do sometimes. Sometimes you just want to meet the need of your spouse so she'll need to meet the, your need or, or, the other, or vice versa. And it, it begins to be this, uh, you're meeting my needs so that you get your needs met. That's not really good, right? And we don't want to do that. And we realize that if we do serve God, he's going to bless us. He's going to touch our lives, but we don't need to serve so that he blesses us. The bless comes just from serving, just from being who Jesus is. And when we serve like that, it's a powerful way, but we cannot, we cannot be that servant. There are two kinds of servants. One is the one that wants to get the glory from Jesus. We, we say, we, I'll serve you, Jesus, and then you want all the glory that, that Jesus thinks of you. Oh, and, and you want to hear people say it. Man, you're such a servant. You're so great. You're so, and you get that glory. And then there's the other servant that most represents Jesus, and that's the one who wants to get, give Jesus the glory. That's the servant. That's the one who, who really represents the very heart and nature of Jesus, the church, and what people need in this community and in this world are people who care more about giving God the glory than getting the glory. Amen. And I think that's so powerful, and we have to understand what that means. Well, there's this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. And it's, it's a surprising, actually surprising uh, story because it's about two disciples, James and John. They're two of the three favorites of Jesus. Jesus had some, some close disciples, and then he had the 12, which the three were included in the 12, but there were th these three that he spent ex extra time with. And that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in, in all of our lives. We have these close friends, and then we have a, another maybe ring of circle of friends, and then maybe it gets a little wider, and they get less... Uh, less intimate but more casual as you continue to, to, to branch out. 
And so Jesus had these guys following him for three years. James and John. And they, they were the, Jesus' favorites. They were, they, he took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the glow in Jesus. They saw the glory of Jesus. They saw all this. And they realized the one powerful thing about these guys is that they realized that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one who's going to heaven. He is the one who's going to sit on a throne. And uh, the problem is they also knew that. There was a problem with that perspective that they had of Jesus. And so we start this idea that James and John is having this conversation with Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. I'll read through the entire passage and then we'll come back through it. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, so they were brothers, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> That's risky all by itself, okay? And then, he, and then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. To give us two prominent positions. You don't know what you're asking for, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. <clears throat> That's a gutsy statement right there. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 41 says, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Can you imagine all these disciples hearing James and John ask this question and they're ticked. They're ticked off. They're like, dudes, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so they're indignant. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a powerful passage of scripture. And what's crazy is here's these two guys. They've hung out with Jesus for three years already, and they're asking this ridiculous question. There's other contexts of this story in other uh, gospels where um, actually the, the mother of James and John puts James and John up to the question. So we don't know. I mean, each, each author gives a little different perspective. But this, can you imagine them coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, we really want to be the top two. We want to be the ones who sit with you in your glory. So they were looking for position. They weren't resting in the relationship. They were hoping for the position, the elevation, the place that they could get to. And, and in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, following Jesus, that is never the object of serving Christ. That is never the objective to get to if we are serving Christ. We are always here to elevate others rather than to elevate ourselves. And so they ask this crazy, crazy question. They want to be the top two disciples. They want to be. And I understand why they might think that. And this is a, a trap we kind of get into sometimes, is that we believe that we deserve 
the higher role, the higher position, because there are other people that don't deserve it. You know, their favorite, the favorite three were Peter, James, and John. And Peter was a mess. <laughs> this guy was making mistakes all the time. And what's really funny is later on, Jesus says, on this rock, on you, Peter, I will build the church. They didn't say on, on James and John. It said on Peter, the church will be built, on the rock that he stands on. And, and so <laughs> Peter becomes the pinnacle of who the church becomes in the future. And he preaches the first sermon. He sees 3,000 people get saved, all these kinds of things. And Peter becomes the pinnacle of this picture. And what's crazy is that um, James and John think that they deserve that, the role even in the kingdom, in heaven, sitting to the right and to the left. And there's all kinds of uh, theological implications of being on the right of somebody and being on the left and being in a kingdom. And, and there's all kinds of uh, implications of the, the power that's given to these roles. And, and Jesus answers them and says, hey, that's not for me to give away. That's already been decided. You guys need to figure something else out. And what's crazy is, is, isn't it sometimes easier to see somebody do something and think you can do it? It's crazy. And that's what they were looking at Jesus. They're like, so far, Jesus, we can do what you do. <laughs> when he says, you guys don't know what you're asking for, where is it? It says uh, in verse 38, it says, um, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? That's an interesting statement. It, and, and what they were saying in their answer is, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Whatever you've done so far, we got. We got that. We, 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 we can do that. And they had no idea what the cup meant or what the baptism meant. And here's the two things that are hard to understand as we, as uh, people who are, are following Jesus in, in our lifestyle, in our world, is that when Jesus says, I want you to bear the cup, we have to go to his place in Gethsemane. When he prayed the prayer and he said this, he said, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. You see, we let scripture interpret scripture. So the cup actually means the process of dying, the process of suffering, the process of giving our lives for others for the redemptive purposes of others. When we're called to be a servant, we're asking, to, we're, Jesus is telling us, you're going to bear a cup. And what, he, what does he say later after he says, we can? They, they, they believe they can. They believe honestly that they can do what Jesus has been doing, but they had no idea the suffering that was coming, the sacrifice that would be required of them, the sacrifice that they would watch Jesus, the cup, that he would drink from. And, and I'll be unapologetic about this. As your pastor, as hopefully an example, calling everyone in our church, calling the 80% of our church to serve means I'm, I'm calling on behalf of Jesus for all of us to bear the cup and to be baptized. This idea of baptism doesn't mean being water baptized, going into the water and coming out. This is a baptism 
in, amongst calamity, an immersion um, in, amongst challenge and trouble and, and difficulty. Why? Because if we take a stand, if we go after everything that Jesus asks us to go for in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world, it is a sacrifice. It is asking for trouble. It is asking to get in the devil's face, and the devil's going to do everything he can to push back on our lives. It's a cost. It's an expense. And I will unapologetically ask you and all of us to make a sacrifice to become an irresistible church to serve so that we can be like Jesus, and like Jesus, people will come to the church and come, more importantly, to Jesus. We're never more like him. Than when we're serving. We're never more like him when uh, we're, we're putting people ahead of ourselves. We're never more like him when we're being a redemptive message to this world. We're never more like him when we're giving our heart and our soul to the cause of Christ. And it's expensive. It, it costs us time. It costs us emotions. It costs us energy. It costs our finances. It costs everything. Why? Because there are people in this world that need to experience the very love and heart of Jesus. And that only comes out when we are about them and not about ourselves. Jesus often, when asked what do we need to do, there was a rich man that came to Jesus and he, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you got to give it all away. Then come follow me. And he's like, whoa, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, that's not what I was asking. I'm asking about how can I have a relationship with you? Well, let's take what's in between us. Let's get that out of the way. And then we can walk together. He said to people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I do, or not do what I ask you to do? And, and, and he's challenging people and saying, why do you call me Jesus and Lord and Master and not treat me that way? You see, serving God is a commitment. Serving God is expensive. Serving God costs us. It's a cup. It's a baptism. It's a cup of sacrifice. It's a baptism in calamity. This is not the pleasant water going down and the warm water that we've heated up and, 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 and bring you back up out of that water. That's a significant and important experience that everyone should have, but it's not that that he's talking about. It's a sacrifice. It's an expense. It's, it's, a, it's, it's putting all of ourselves out there so that others can experience being elevated by us to Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's the importance, that's the significance of this passage. He says, you will drink the cup. What was interesting is he's prophesying right here that uh, what would happen to these two gentlemen later on, James actually became the first martyr of the church. He became the first one to give his life as, as a sacrifice and ended up dying at the hands of persecutors. And John was actually a person who lived out his life and died a natural death, but in between there, he was baptized in calamity and spent his last days in exile on, on, a, on an island. And as a result, he, 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 he experienced all this persecution. He realized that uh, eventually what Jesus was saying was, you guys are going to give it all. And that's the call this morning. That's the call to all of us. 
And so he says, when the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, and he's like, hey guys, I get these guys asked a silly question and they didn't know what they were asking. They think they can do everything they got. I get it. They understand, but come together, come together, come together. And so he's gathering everybody together. He's gathering all of his 12 together. And he says, you know that those, those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. For the first thing he does is he takes them to a, 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 an outside of the Jewish culture. He puts it in a secular context and he says, people who want to be like this think in a secular fashion. They're thinking of their own selves, not the, 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 the betterment of others. And so he says that you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, it, it, people who want to be in a rulership p- position only want power. They only want power for themselves. They want to use authority. They want to push down on their thumbs. And, and then it says this. It says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, the word, the word great there in the Greek is megas or mega. Whoever wants to become mega or great among you must be servant. And that word is diakonos, which is, uh, uh, and I don't normally share Greek with you, but this whole Greek word means deacon or servant. And it says, whoever uh, among you must be your servant or your deacon, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's the most powerful part of this passage because the slave is the idea that you are owned and doing what at, you are at the behest of the owner. And that slave is, is Jesus. And that, that, that owner, I mean, is, the, is Jesus. And he's saying that if my, my request of you is to serve others relentlessly. Give all of yourself to the needs of others. And when you do that, then we become a redemptive message and a representative of who Jesus is. And that's the goal. That's the goal. The vision of our church is to become an irresistible church, a church where people want to be, that they just wake up on Sunday morning and go, I cannot wait to get there. That's what we want. We want kids dragging their parents out of bed, going, come on, let's go. We want parents dragging their kids out of bed. Come on, let's go. I don't care if you want it, but the kids will drag them out. We want to be that place where we are so much like Jesus because we are committed to drink the cup and to experience the baptism, if that's the cost. To take and not worry about ourselves, but worry about elevating others so that they can know Jesus. And I think that's the the call this morning is simply this. Are we willing to be relentless servants of Christ? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to serve others like Jesus served us. The way we become an irresistible church is to be the, like the irresistible Jesus. The way to best represent Jesus is to serve people in his name and to create a ministry context that does nothing more than represent the very nature of Jesus. I'm asking everybody, everybody in our church, which would be, we we would fly against every national standard of church experience and study uh, if we did this. If 80% of us decided we're going to do everything we can to create an irresistible environment as a church, whoa, I guarantee you we would be an irresistible place, an irresistible place. Why? Because it's not about us. 
It's about those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. It's about becoming more like Jesus than ever before. I guess the understanding of this is realizing that a return on investment in serving is what it gains others, not ourselves. If you're an investor and you put out money and you, you expect an interest to come back to you, that's a return on investment. You, you have a, a, an understanding of what an ROI is, a return on investment. And that return on investment when we serve is nothing we will gain. It's about what the other person gains. They gain an understanding of who Jesus is. They gain an understanding of how valuable their lives are. They gain an understanding of the, 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 the reality that Jesus died for them and gave his life so that uh, as a ransom for their lives and their sin so that they, they could be paid, uh, their, their, their debt could be paid and their ransom paid so they can walk free. When we serve, that's exactly what we're doing. We're elevating the opportunity for others, those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Where are you willing to serve? How are you willing to serve? I pray, I pray that this happened in, at Journey Church Ventura, is that we would have more servants than opportunities, which if, if that's the case, we're not doing enough. But I believe right now that there are plenty of opportunities to serve every day, here in the office, on Sundays, and, and once, we, once we get out of this COVID opportunity, we're going to put groups together, which we haven't talked about and we'll talk about in the future. But we'll have journey groups who will serve constantly in our community, touching the needs of people. And here's an opportunity that we're presenting to you today, and the envelope is in your, your bulletin. One of the most effective, effective groups of people in our community today are uh, servers, waiters, waitresses, people who are working in restaurants or delivering food in the, the Uber Eats or the Postmasters or whoever. You know, they're all serving and they're all being affected by this, this, this thing. Here's what we want to do. This, is, this will be the, the call to the end of the service. Is we want to <clears throat> encourage you to give. Our goal is $2,500. To give, and, and if it goes beyond that, that's awesome. To give $2,500, that will allow us to buy 50 $50 gift cards for uh, you to give to a server. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to take the, the money, we'll go buy the gift cards, and then we're going to make a card from Journey Church and from you if you want to add your name to it. From Journey Church, we're going to put that gift card in there, in a Journey Church card. And then when you use or, or have a server serve you, and even during this COVID thing, it you know, order in, have somebody deliver it, go to a restaurant and have somebody serve you. And even if it's a, a, a takeout, and then when, when you put your tip down, your tip down, then you take the card and you, you give them another $50 on top of your tip. And that card will tell them that we love them. Journey Church loves them and that God loves them. And it'll obviously invite them here, but most importantly, to put your face on it saying, I love you, I care about you, this is from our church, and we hope to bless you during this Christmas season. So here's what we're going to do. You can start giving today. You can go online to do that. You'll see there's, there's an option that says Journey Cares, Holiday Tips. You can use the envelope that you have now. We ask that this be above and beyond the tithe, and that you, you can give that. 
um, uh, through the envelope, or you can uh, call us up and let us know that you want to give a donation or whatever. And if we get more than that, we're just going to buy as many cards as, as we get. And then, and so we're going to collect the money until the 17th of December. On the 20th, Sunday the 20th, we'll give those cards out to you when you come here. And if you're willing to take one, that just means you're willing to go out to eat. You're going to go, uh, and then you're going to give that card to whoever that server is. And that's just going to spread the love. That's the kind of ministry that we want is we want everyone involved. And so whether you can give a dollar or $2,500, it doesn't matter. Whatever you can give, it's going to go to come back to you in a card so that you can go out and give it away. All right? So that's what we want to do just as a, a kind of an illustration of this message. Journey Cares Holiday Tips. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity to just show love to people. And I want to, I want to pray right now because I know that uh, for many of us, we're, we're kind of going through our heads going, Where, where's my time? Where's my resources? How can I serve? Where can I serve? And uh, we're going to provide all of those opportunities for you. You call us up or you tell us or we ask you if you, have, uh, you want to get involved, please just let us know what your skill set is. I believe that all of us are gifted and skilled in some way, shape, or fashion to be involved in reaching this community for Christ. And I'm excited about that. God, I thank you so much for every person here. I thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would raise up disciples. Lord, we don't want to be like James and John who uh, want to be in a position, but we do want to be like James, and jo- like James and John who learned that serving you is about sacrifice. It's about drinking a cup of sacrifice. It's about being baptized in calamity at times. When we take a stand for you or when we preach your, your, your love and grace to this world, sometimes it's rejected. God, allow us to be a representative of you through serving. Allow us to be most like you when we are serving. For Lord, I thank you so much that you served our needs by dying on a cross, forgiving us of our sin, and rising from the dead, and allowing us to have the hope of eternal life. I thank you for that. There's no greater love than someone who dies for their friend. Thank you so much for serving us. Lord, may we be the representation of you to this world to serve you. And I pray for every person online and on site that your Holy Spirit will speak to us and help us know exactly how we can serve you, exactly how we can reach out to this community and to this world and make a difference in this world. Lord, I know that you are calling people right now to do something significant. Whether that's a dollar, a hundred dollars, twenty-five hundred dollars, it doesn't matter. God, we just want to make a difference some way, shape, or form. Help us, God, to create an irresistible environment for those who have yet to discover your love, grace, and forgiveness. I pray that in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're online with us and, and you're, you're checking, uh, checking Christ out and kind of wondering what this whole Jesus thing is all about, we just want to invite you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. He loves you. He cares about you. And there is nothing more important than just offering you the opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here on site and you haven't yet made that decision. I want, you to, I want to ask you to just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. 
And I pray that you would allow me to experience the forgiveness that you offer me. And I accept that right now in Jesus' name. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and that today I have the hope of eternal life and that this moment I accept that I am now a child of the King and that I belong to the family of God and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life and I will serve you with my whole heart. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.